So can I just encourage you that maybe if you came away from last week, you're like, okay, I just got to slay my Goliath, get through this week, and then I'm good for life. No, just as sure as a Midwest winter, it's coming. <laughs> Challenges are coming your way. So if we could just jump right into this scripture, this is a psalm penned by David, and it's Psalm 27.4 when it says this, famous one, you've probably heard of it, one thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. What a beautiful passage of scripture. What a callback to even the song we worshiped to this morning about the house of the Lord. That we, when we go that, can we actually just leave that slide up on there, please? I'm gonna just break that scripture down. You, you got a teacher up on the stage right now and I have never just read a single sentence. Um, actually, I have a full volume of books back in my office called The Treasury of David, where it just takes line by line. Charles Spurgeon breaks down every line of the Psalms. It's amazing. If you're a geek like me, check it out. It's on Amazon. But for, for me, it's such a great callback to what we even worship through this morning. We dwell in the house of the Lord. You all sounded fantastic shouting out your praise. And it's so easy to do that maybe when you're in a community of believers. One what about when life throws you in a place of isolation, solitude, loneliness? Because that's actually the tone and the position of life that King David's in right now. He's writing this as his enemies are pursuing him, as they're chasing after him. He even goes on to say, like, these are going to be enemies that are chasing after me. And his response when life is chasing him is to chase God. I'm wondering... If in our own lives, when life comes chasing after us, do we actually chase self-preservation versus the dwelling place of God? Because one of those will just get you in this cycle of seasons, and you just keep coming, but one will actually carry you through every season and build your faith and build your hope. And listen to this, speak to your family, speak to your coworkers, speak to the, every place you set your foot. When your life begins to echo this worship, the other six days, church, that's what worship, a life of surrender is. Because this is the one thing, even when we break down that first two words, one thing I ask of the Lord. We're not having other options on the table. This is the one thing the soul desire, the soul commitment that we are asking of the Lord, this only do I seek. Again, he's doubling down on the fact that I'm not setting my focus on anything else. It's only you, Jesus, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. That doesn't say just the days that are easy. It means the days that are hard. And to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. If you want to ever know what a a scripture is asking you to do, can I just give you a basic English lesson? What are the verbs calling you to do? What are those actionable items? As you're reading through your scriptures, even in your daily Bible reading, it doesn't even have to be this passage. What is this scripture calling me to act? What is the demonstration of the follower of Christ being demonstrated in this scripture applied to my journey of faith as well? Because all I know is I'm supposed to ask and seek and dwell all the days of my life. So are you in a position of the seasons of your life where you're asking, you're seeking, and you're dwelling? I love the final phrase here. I promise I'm going to move on. It's just beautiful. But to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him. For the married couples in the room, those of you with significant others in your life, 
Maybe those of you just look into the eyes of your child. You know the difference between gazing and just looking. Looking is a glance. Gazing is a capturing exercise of where you gaze on the beauty of the Lord. But seasons of challenge come. Seasons of testing come. The fall apart life comes, but is your gaze set or is it reset? So as we journey today, I want to encourage you that even as David is writing this, he is in the midst of a trial, so he's not just recording this on a high day. He's recording this on a low day. So to move later on in this passage, we're going to uh, hop over to the last part of this, Psalms 27, 13 through 14. This is the closeout of this same exact psalm. I encourage you, all the psalms I read today, go and read them in their entirety. They are absolutely beautiful. But in the time we have today, here's what I want to reveal to you. Psalm 27, 13 through 14 says this, I remain confident of this, that I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord, be strong, and take heart and wait for the Lord. I remain confident. The only way you remain confident is going to be remaining attached to the thing of which you draw your confidence from. So the minute you put yourself out of the dwelling place, out of the house of the Lord, you begin to wonder, man, why does it seem so hard to focus on God because you've taken your gaze off of him? When instead, if you just kind of refocus, reset, and remain, your confidence can be restored. And, and David demonstrated this because I remain confident of this, that I will see. I will see, says this to me, that we should take an attitude of believing to see not seeing to believe. I will see. I am confident I will see. Somebody in your life, this is where your worship can start this morning. I am confident that I will see my child come back to God. I am confident that I will see that doctor's report. I, will, I remain confident that I will see the blessings in this land of a living, not in the land of the dead. I believe that God is who he says he is. If you want to know where to start your worship, Begin to identify what you need him to be until your confidence is set in that he will be. Verse 14 says this, wait for the Lord, be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. Man, how redundant. He starts with wait for the Lord and he ends with wait for the Lord. And when I hear the word waiting and I reconcile it with my American perspective of instant gratification, I can't reconcile my worship to this posture. But what he's doing, he's not being redundant. He's waiting for the Lord, and then he's making sure we know what is the process of waiting for the Lord. Wait for the Lord. Be strong. It's not going to be easy. Take heart. There may be some places where you need to take stock of the relationships, affections, attentions that you are giving to other things that actually need to be set on, to, on God and then wait for the Lord. Could it be that you are waiting for the Lord, in fact, because he's waiting on you to be ready to receive what he's got for you? Wait for the Lord, church. Be strong. And if that means that there's a place of struggle and sin and setback in your life, can I say that's not a strong place? for you, but it can be. If you remain in the Lord, you wait on him and you say, God, I'm gonna wait, in you, wait, wait on you in this secret place, and God, I need you to do the work. 
to strengthen me. And I know I gotta take stock and take heart and I need to put my heart in your heart and your heart in my heart and we have to become one so that I may see all that God has for me as I wait for the Lord. This is what we are called to, church. This is the encouragement that I have for you this morning, that you are meant to dwell. You are meant to have a place in worship all the days of your life. And you are supposed to remain confident in this as you wait on the Lord. Because as I'm journeying through David's story, I don't want to just give you your 60-second devotional for the morning and send you out for your day. I want real talk. I want to dive a little bit deeper into David's story. I want to categorize and kind of evaluate the different challenges that he faced. Why? Because I think in the challenges that he faced, we see our challenges too. And if I see my challenges in David's life, that means I can also see my worship breakthrough just like he did. As we remain, as he remained, as he sought to dwell all the days of our life, as we shall seek to dwell. So what are the places and the challenges to David's worship? I'm going to just go, these are four categories just from reading his setbacks in life, reading the challenges of his life. Here are the challenges to David's failure. The first one is this, fear and anxiety. These are one of the, some of the categories that I believe rob us of our worship, rob us of our attention, steal our gaze off the main thing and keeping him the main thing. So fear and anxiety. Fear is this um, fear of a present threat. Anxiety is a concern for a future threat. So there may be some of you that are facing imminent fear in your life because it's an imminent outcome that you think is going to come. Some of you may be worrying about the future and projecting things that may never happen, but you're tying anxiety to them. But I, wanna I want you to hear for every mo moment and challenge I, I share with you today, these are the places that, yes, rob your worship, but they don't rob you if you choose to remain. So fear and anxiety. Hmm, I wonder how David faced this. He, I mean, he, he, didn't, he wasn't afraid against Goliath, but then, uh-oh, King Saul says, oh, this guy wants to replace me. I'm going to chase this guy down. He's after my job. And so there comes a season of, of David's life where he is on the run being chased by Saul. There are places of his life where he's saying, I thought I was called to be the king, but now I'm being chased by the current king. And I can't imagine the fear and anxiety that it takes to hide in a cave. I don't choose to be a cave dweller. I don't know if you know that. Like, that is not my goal. That is not where I find life. I will venture through a cave, but I ain't camp camping out in one. I have blackout curtains for a reason, so I don't have to sit, out, sit in a blacked-out cave. Like, this is how I choose to dwell. But he's in this place that he's been driven away from his dwelling place, the place maybe he's always known worship, and he's on the run, and he's out. But does he remain? He overcomes his places of fear and anxiety. The places of failure. Yeah, this one's a little bigger because David was really good at failure, but he was also good at repentance, so we'll give him credit for that. But the failure of his life could have robbed him so many times. 
when we look at his adultery that he committed with Bathsheba, when we look at the fact that he tried to cover up his adultery that led in a, with a child out of wedlock and is like, Uriah, you need to come home and spend some time with your wife so I can cover up my sin. And Uriah says, no, I'm a man of honor. I can't do that. And he's like, oh, forget you. I'm just going to have you killed. I'm going to put you on the front lines. And he sent, turns out to a murder. And there goes, okay, maybe he got through that. Maybe he just got through that bad season of his life. Oh, no, future failure incur in happens when he fails to raise godly sons that end uh, up turning on him. We'll get into that category in a second. But all these failure, failures come to David, yet we still find him to be a man after God's own heart. Because one thing I ask of the Lord, that will I seek, that I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That means sometimes I may take a step outside of the house. But somebody needs to hear this this morning. It's only one step back into the Father's grace. There's a place for you in spite of your failures. Can I be living proof this morning that I am a failure in a lot of ways, yet I am graced by God to be an instrument of worship? You are a collection of failures, but by the grace of God. You are instruments of worship. So in the seasons of failure, will you say, I'm lost, too far gone, not trying this? Or can the worship that comes from your lips be, yet I will remain confident that I will get through this too? So fear and anxiety, we have failure, we have pride. Okay, let's, let's touch the egos in the room. When it comes to pride, there are places, and this really comes out of that place of self-preservation that I talked about a little bit earlier. This is the place where, oh, this is so funny because I've said it. I can handle this. I got this. And the things begin to fall in my life. I can keep spinning these plates. I can keep making this happen. Uh-oh. Crash, crash crash. Pride robs me of my worship because it says I don't have need of God. Period. But in the places of pride, David found humility because he was prideful and arrogant and thinking that he could murder and get away with it. He could do this and he could do that. And he's like, I'm king, I'm ruler, I'm authority. Is there places in our life where we think I'm powerful enough to work my own self through this. And that's a dangerous spot for us to get because can I expose the statistics on human success? <laughs> not good. Definitely not long-term. You have a 0% success rate when you do it yourself. That's why you have need of God. That's why you're called to worship and not give way to challenges of pride. And finally, it's the place of loss. Because the child that they, he bore with Bathsheba ended up being lost. His second chance and his son Absalom turned on him and he lost that relationship as he tried to take over the kingdom. But again, because of his foolishness, Absalom dies. And he loses us. Because of David's pride, forgot to tell you about this one, he disregarded somebody saying, hey, we shouldn't do this census because this is not what we're supposed to be doing now because David was just trying to build his pride and show us how much numbers he had. And because of that, there came a plague on the land and he experienced loss. 
that didn't just touch his house, it touched his community. So are there places of loss that touch your house and touch your community? And I want you to hear this very plain and simple, that I am not in any way trying to negate your seasons of loss. There is grace, there is sympathy, there is empathy available to you from us, but all the more from your God. I don't disregard the weight of loss that maybe you sit in, currently experience, or in this case, maybe you've buried it. But God wants to meet you in your loss. And I want you, and I look at the loss for what it's worth, but at the same time, I'm called to look at my God and what he's worth too. And in those places of loss, can I say God is redemption? The seasons of loss make you think you've missed out on everything. But can I tell you, through your seasons of loss, it's not everything, it's the new thing that God wants to give you. So can I encourage you, can I build your faith this morning, wherever your challenge is, there is hope for you because one thing remains and that's God. In the places of your pride, in the places of loss, in the place of fearing anxiety, in the places of failure, God is more than enough to make up the gap of any of them. But here's what we see David did. He didn't just ignore them and just set his focus on God. He gave them to God. So here's what I don't want you to do. When it comes to your worship, when it comes to a life surrender, I call this a, a life of surrender, not a life of segmentation. I'm not saying you categorize these things and say, okay, I'm not going to deal with them, but I'm going to set my focus on God. I need you to bring these two segments together because he calls us all to the throne of grace, fully to the throne of grace, that as we come before him, that we, as we sit at his feet, he looks at our failures, he looks at our pride, he looks at our loss, he looks at our fear, he looks at our anxiety, and he says, I can do something with that. I can use you. Because here's what I see David did. David altered his words and thoughts through worship. Provide that on the screen for you. David altered his words and thoughts through worship. That's great. It just means like, okay, I didn't just segment him. I brought him to God and I say, God, change the way I think. We even talked about this last week when we talked about Romans 12, 1 and 2. In view of God's mercy, I offer my body a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing unto God. This is my true and proper worship that I may be transformed by the renewing of my mind. God wants to renew your mind, not segment it. He wants to renew you, but, and again, in view of God's mercy, I present my body a living sacrifice. So David altered his words and thoughts through worship, or to say it another way, let's say it this way, David altered his words and thoughts in worship. That he brought those places of fear and anxiety and loss and pride and failure, and he laid them at the master's feet at an altar and say, God, you want me? That means you can consume all of me. So I lay these things at your altar. And you're like, what's the difference? There's an E and there's an A. 
What I am doing is I'm appealing to an Old Testament uh, idea of sacrifice that they came into the altar where they laid the sacrifice so that that might be consumed to cover your sins. But what we know on the other side of the cross, because of Jesus, we lay them at his feet, the ultimate sacrifice, so that his blood may cover our thoughts, that they may cover our words and alter them to be in the image of God and likeness of Christ. What a beautiful example of worship that we can be in spite of the challenges that we face. One more psalm that I want to share with you comes from Psalm 19, verse 14, and it says this. Again, Psalm, uh, David saying this, May these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Church, if you're looking for a daily prayer just to start your day, can you start here? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O God and my Savior. This is what I'm looking after. This is what I'm longing for. So this is what we see. This is the example we see laid out, but as we've been doing each and every week, I've been so pleased and honored just to bring up different people uh, that have been able to share their perspective. So we're not just going to look at David. We're not just going to look at the Psalms. We're going to open up the stories of people that are partners here at Navigation Church. In fact, there many of them are part of our leadership team when it comes to the worship team. So if I can at this point, I would love just to have Linda Mitchell join me on stage. I'd love to have Tony Galloway join me on stage. I'd love to have Autumn Galloway join me on stage, please. So this is the example of, of, of life, of worship that we can see. Each one of these uh, people are just going to share from their personal life. They're going to share from their own stories uh, of a place where they had to fight to keep their worship, for a place where they had to fight to press in in spite of failures, in spite of loss, in spite of pride, in spite of fear, in spite of anxiety, whatever it may be in the situations of their life, so that we might see, I can hear you whispering, that's sweet. This is on. Yeah, it's very much on. We're all aware. Online, drop it in the chat. We hear you. Aaron did a pretty good job. <laughs> so at, at this point, I would love just to kind of shift our focus for a moment so that we can kind of just set our attention on what does this look like in the practical? What does this look like in your own life? Uh, so Linda, coming to you first, and we'll just kind of work our way down the line. Where is a place where for you, maybe like David, you just had to work through or worship your way through a circumstance of your life that maybe was full of challenges. I'm sorry, I, Aaron, I don't, I don't know if I'm ready for this. I should have brought some tissue because... Sorry. Um, Go for it. You were talking about loss. Thank you. And uh, that's, that's what I have to work through. Um, loss in relationships, uh, especially um, with my children. Very painful as a parent to have prodigals who were raised in this house. And 
so I worship my way through that. It's difficult. But I know God is sovereign. I know he's the way, the truth, and the life. And I lift up my hands every day and praise him and trust him through the pain, through the loss, through the brokenness. And I love to worship because the, the, worship, the, the worship that we sing is just is so full of the truth. It's the words. We're speaking the Bible when we sing these songs. We're not speaking the Torah, I mean, I mean the um, Quran, excuse me. We're not speaking about Buddha, Confucius. We're speaking about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Yeah. So whenever I open my mouth and lift my hands and praise, I know I'm speaking the truth. And I know God hears me and he sees me. And he sees my children. Yes, he does. My, my precious son and daughter. And um, like David, I know he knows my heart. But it still hurts. And just praise them anyway. I praise them anyway. I'm going to praise them anyway. Come on. No matter what, I'm going to praise them anyway every day. You remain because there is no other way yeah. but Jesus. Yes, you remain confident in this. Yes. I love that. Thank you yes. so much for sharing your heart. And we join our worship with you in believing. And can we do this? This ain't in the script. But can I tell you what, what, what does it look like sometimes to get in worship in the midst of loss? I believe there were moments where David had to come alongside some brothers yeah. and just press in. Can we just come alongside Linda today? And I yeah. want to just pray over this seasons of loss. God, I just believe that maybe Thank she you. is even representative of those who have maybe experienced loss. They don't maybe tie this story to their loss but they tie these emotions that make tears well up in their eyes. But God, let these tears be caught in the bowl before the Father and let him turn this season of mourning into a season of joy. For joy may la mourning may last in the night, but joy comes in the morning. God, we speak to those morning seasons. We speak to those sunrise seasons, that we speak to those prodigals. We speak to those broken places. We speak to every place of broken loss. And God, we say, I remain confident in who you yes. are. As David said, my rock that I stand on yes. and my redeemer that captures and redeems everything which was lost. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Thank, you. Thank you again. Tony, how about you? Man, after listening to, to Linda's testimony of worship, I'm sure she's got dozens of them. That's a deep one. And uh, it challenges me because I feel like what I went through went through was hard. She's still going through it. And she's been going through this since way before the, the story that I'm going to talk about. 
So as far as being a warrior and just continuing to come to the feet of Jesus and say that you're, gosh, say that you're worthy of everything, even when there's this thing that you just aren't giving me right now. And I don't know why, but I have to trust you that you know why. And um, that's powerful. And I've known Linda for 36 years or something, so I, she's, she's a warrior. Yes. So my story is one of the most impacting things in my life. And again, I feel like a little recruit compared to the warrior that I'm sitting next to. But so I went through a season, the one that you, you know, just if we're talking about a moment, it was a season of God called me to start a business, and I felt like he had laid out this plan of... Uh, what we were actually going to be doing physically, but then also spiritually, uh, what we were going to do with the proceeds of the business. And there was just this whole miraculous thing that God laid out. And, uh, and I just walked forward with boldness and, and there were miraculous doors that were open that shouldn't have been opened. And everything was just so awesome. And we were just living in this life of, Oh, Jesus is so wonderful. Um, but do you know whenever we say the Lord's Prayer and we say, give us this day our daily bread, what does that mean? That doesn't mean that every day you're eating a nice, rare steak that's seared exactly the way you want it or a big chocolate pie or whatever your thing is. We don't get to live on that stuff all the time because it wouldn't be healthy for us. And so there's days where you're eating spinach that you may or may not like, or Brussels sprouts, or asparagus. I don't know, whatever it is, grits. For me, no way, but I don't even know if there's a benefit to that. But shrimp or brown sugar, it doesn't matter. It's still terrible. Um, but so what I'm saying is that there's days where he's feeding you something that's going to be good for your soul, it's going to be good for you, for your perspective and for your family and for your, your, uh, your view of who God is, and you're gonna, you've got to eat those things. And you can't eat them mad. You can't sit there and let it get cold, and God's going to go, you're not getting up from the table until you eat that. <laughs> Wait you can have it for breakfast board. tomorrow, but you're not getting up, and it's going to get eaten. Um, so realistically, I feel like, you know, there's, there was a psalm that we talked about last week. It said, blessed are those who have learned to abide in God or whatever came after that. But it's a learning thing. It's, we don't hit it just because we decided to live that way. So I need to speed this up. I learned that um, when I felt like God was being unfair, that I had to just go, this is my daily bread. If I believe and I trust that you have the best for me, then today I'm supposed to eat this. And it sucks, and I want to spit it out. I don't want to swallow it. I don't even want to, I can't even stand the smell of it. But I had, to, I had to chew it up and swallow it. And so while I was learning to live that, it was hard. And I, like, just fast forward. I got through this whole process. It was painful. It was multiple years long. And now it's one of the most priceless times of my life. That's good. And I would definitely do it again because... When I was able to just lay it down at his feet and go, I can see zero benefit to what we're going through, but I have to just trust you. Then on the other side, I looked back, which she's not there yet, right? 
But there's a day, and she's, but you've had moments in other areas of your life where you've, you've been able to look back and go, now I see. And then it makes it easier to go through the long suffering. But now I can look back and I can see the things, priceless things that have changed in who I am, relationships with my wife, my kids, people, business, all these things. Um, and so I look back and I go, thank you. So, so now when I'm having moments where my day just looks horrible, I just go, thank you, God. The joke was we would be out on the job site and things would be going sideways. We'd just stop and go, thank you, sir. May I have another? <laughs> and you just smile and you lay it at his feet. And that's, that's really what it's about is just laying whatever it is just continually for years, decades maybe. Hopefully it's minutes or, you know, some hours. But that's not how it works all the time. So that, for me, it's just trusting and laying it at his feet. Good. Excellent. Miss Autumn, how about you? Now you're only like 18, 19, whatever age you 19, are. So you haven't, you haven't lived enough life really to have experiences, or have you? Um, so yeah, I am two years out of high school. I am just so young still. <laughs> <laughs> I um, remain confident. Might have taken that one in the wrong direction. <laughs> I'm confident in being young. Uh, I embrace it. Um, so which means I'm in college right now, sophomore, and um, in college and out of high school, you're supposed to know what you want to do with your life. You're supposed to know your path. Really, yeah, just what you're going to do with the rest of your life. And <laughs> that's just so much pressure to put on a 17, 18-year-old. And so <laughs> it's just, yeah. And I've definitely felt that pressure and I still do. So I have the pressure of knowing my career path or what college major I'm gonna do, and I still don't know. And um, 19, 20, you get to the age where people are like, oh, do you have a boyfriend? Are you gonna get married soon? Like, you're still like coming out of college, like where's your boyfriend? And I'm like, nope, don't have that either. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> It's something that I've just been struggling with, like knowing my path and just focusing on the future. And there's... Go ahead. There is. Believe to see. Don't see to believe. There's a lot of anxiety, and I definitely relate to feeling the anxiety of David and those things. And this is a really good week for me to talk because, <laughs> yeah, I feel the anxiety of it, and I am very prideful about wanting to be in control of that future. And I want to know my plan. And so it's kind of just surrendering it to God and being like, I can't control it. Well, I can't like stay in control and I can't just, um, I don't know how to say it. Like, um, 
it's really just surrendering my life to God because I know my ambitions. I have ambitions and I have things that I want to do with my life, but you just have to trust God and in the anxiety and the uncertainty and the pridefulness of trying to be in control and keep everything on the path that you want and the way you want it to go. So I really just have to be like, it's not my, it's not what I'm in control of. That's not my path that I get to choose. I do get to choose, but it's really just giving it up to God and knowing that he has a plan for my life and plans to prosper me. Come on. And give me hope and a future. Amen. Come on. Come on, church. Yeah, thank you, panel. You guys can go ahead and be dismissed if you don't mind taking your stool with you. I'll grab that one from you. Just head that way and the vocalist will figure it out. I love each and every perspective that was represented and shared this morning. I don't know if even as they shared, you're like, oh my gosh, that's my story. That's my emotion. That's, that's my narrative in their life story. And so as you're just exploring, what we're going to do is we're just going to kind of help recenter ourselves. We don't just put all these emotions out there to stir them up and say, go home and figure it out by yourself. Um, what we want to do is some of those emotions that maybe were stirred up, we want to just go back to a, a brief time of worship before our baptisms and just be able to dwell in this place. And so what we're going to do, we're going to bring the house lights down, the light cues even going to change a little bit. All, all these little environmental shifts are going to happen, but it's all within this intention in mind so that we can go to this place of hope and future, that we can go to this place where we seek his face. And one of the scriptures I actually want to offer to you uh, can we get somebody to lower those house heights, please? One of the things I want to encourage you is in one more psalm. And it's Psalm 42.5, if we can throw that up on the screen, please. Psalm 42.5 says this, Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why the unease within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him for the salvation of his presence. What I hear in that story, what I hear in that narrative is even as autumn ended with, I have my hope, I have my future. But maybe you're sitting in this room today and you feel hopeless. You feel lost, you feel unseen, 